Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show of all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinot. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Mark Gelwicks. And welcome, gentlemen, and to our listeners today to this episode of Productivity Cast, where we will be discussing the wonderful world of replacing technology. In essence, Augusto recently had, I'll call it an epiphany, <laughs> about turning an older Microsoft Surface he had laying around that wasn't quite working. And Augusto is going to clarify for uh, you all what actually happened. And then he turned that into a Chrome OS uh, device, a Chromebook, in essence. Uh, and so we thought it would be fun you know, a little techie episode for us to talk about how he did so. And then uh, after that, we're going to really discuss the broader discussion of how do we spend time and resources regarding upgrading, replacing technology, and so on and so forth. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Augusto, in terms of how did you give n- new life to your old Microsoft Surface? Well, you know, part of part of what I do is uh, helping small business owners and, co- and coaching Businesses, you know, sometimes understanding what they need technology-wise, you know. Years ago, people will go and jump and get a new machine and faster machine. And in many cases, that was justified. That was how software was. But now that software has evolved and a lot of it happened on a browser, happened online, really we have discovered that we don't need necessarily that much more power as we used to. So... The problem was the solutions you used to have on the past was get and build a Linux, a Linux machine. And that is fine. And then the except that requires you to be a little bit more geeky, even that now the UI on many of those Linux distros are a lot more friendly, still require a certain level of geekiness to go and digest that and, and solve all the problems. So I happen to have a dead... Microsoft Surface, uh, the, the hard drive is dead. It says, says Surface Pro 2, and the hard drive was dead. It belonged to a client of mine, and after we discovered what it was, it was dead, and Microsoft don't fix them because it's all to, glued together in a way that basically they broke more than what they survive. Uh, Microsoft basically tells you good luck. So client leave the machine with me as a dead machine, and it was instead of in the trash on one of the shelves, because that's what happened. I was actually looking for a tablet that I could use to record this another podcast. So I did not need to carry the MacBook with me. That's how these ideas start. So the Microsoft Surface had a micro SD slot hidden on the back. So what I went was I stopped in electronic store, Best Buy, buy a super fast micro SD, put it in the back and use that as the main hard drive. So after I did that, then I went to a website called CloudReady, cloudready.com, and they have a free distro of uh, a version of Chrome OS, Chromium. So I installed that, and basically that created a full Chrome OS machine. After I have done that, I have used that same thing into a couple of my clients, allowing them to get back to life 
a lot of old technology that they have laying around. The reality is that is most of your business lives on the cloud and you don't use any specific platform software, you can live in these machines forever. From, I have been recording now for three or four months the podcast and other things with this Chrome OS machine on a machine that technically is dead. So it has been a really fun project and a great reminder to myself as well as my clients what we can do to reuse technology really if you see this machine except that you see the microsoft logo on the front there is no other thing that will make you think that it's a reused machine or even that the hard drive inside is dead so for folks who are interested if you have a machine hanging around that is maybe lagging or slow or maybe even in Augusto's case where it's not operable, uh, you may be able to bring it back to life. And uh, so Augusto, I think you're going to have some links in the show notes for folks to check out the various tutorials and whatnot that you use to be able to make that happen. Yes. And the process is pretty simple and cloud ready is free, at least for one machine. If you want their support, they have programs for support that you can get, but mostly is free for everybody. So it's it's really, really an awesome, awesome platform. How have you found the battery life on the Surface tablet after installing Chrome? And can you compare that to what it was before you did? Well, this was not my machine. This was a client. So sadly, I cannot report on the before. I can tell this, this machine is pretty old. I can check what, what is a year. But I found the battery life really bad and then i you know because i'm comparing that with my own machine with my own ipad and and i was really well this is you know the 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 life of this of the batteries really really poorly until i discover or remember that this is a machine from around 2013 where three and four hours of battery, it was the norm. It was cold. Hey, four hours of battery. It's pretty cool. The problem now is we are getting to the point where we have 10 and 12 and four hours of battery seems like last nothing. But it does right now, being a machine from 2013, solid four hours of battery on, on, the, on the distribution that I have. So it works really, really well. I got a question. Can it work on an iPad, an old iPad? On an old iPad, not, because the iPad will not allow you to install over the iOS. Okay. But it will work on a win- on an old Windows. It will work uh, in, in, an, in an old Mac, too. Yeah, the iPad's a different chipset, so it wouldn't support it anyway. There are myths out there in the wild about people being able to install Chrome OS on, on iPads, uh, but it requires a heck of a lot of work to be able to get it get it on there i'll be honest and this is just brutally honest why would you want to i mean really just because you can doesn't mean you should i completely agree with that i think it's i think it's about being able to uh, breathe life into the form factor of a an existing laptop or desktop that that would really work well i think actually there are probably some linux uh, distros that would work better on an ipad experience because you know the ipad is a a tablet experience um you may be able to actually be it would probably be savvier to use some of the instructions that get android onto an ipad uh, because it has all the functions for being able to take advantage of the sensors uh, and the touch screen 
but I, I just think it's, I think it's just a really uh, brilliant notion to be able to breathe life back into your computer that you may feel is um, failing or old. And for those who may not know this, uh, Chrome OS is in essence, a, a you know, it's a type of, it, it has a Linux kernel. So, you know, in, in essence, you can actually activate uh, Project Crostini within the Chrome OS environment and have a full Linux desktop. So you can you can still have a Linux you know experience um, with Chrome OS, which is really quite brilliant. You just go into the advanced settings and turn on the the Linux option, and you'll be able to boot right into uh, the the Linux environment, which means you can have all of the desktop software that Linux has available to it, which is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, so this really takes us to the larger discussion around when do you upgrade and or when do you replace? And in in Augusto's case, he was reviving a, a tool that was already broken. And I'm curious about, for those of us who have existing machines that are just working, when do you decide to make that that change? When do you decide to upgrade the device or decide that it's time to disregard that device and transfer over to a new one? Again, it used to be that you required to upgrade a lot sooner to keep the, the, the workability of the machine, assuming that's a word. With more and more things on the cloud, your machine may be a little slower but in most cases, and most people really will make no difference. And so, for me now, the again, I I work on an iPad is my main machine. So, my criteria for upgrade is the moment that machine stops being supported on the on the current iOS. So right now we are on iOS thirteen, and this year we're expecting iOS. 14 to be released. When iOS 14 gets to be released, if my machine is not supported, that moment will be upgraded. Um, most of what I do uh, doesn't require a really fast machine because I have a my machine is still pretty decent speed wise, and that's a criteria. It used to be on a time schedule because to keep the machines going fast enough and. Now, with things going on the web and, and, and the cloud, I really don't need to have the, the latest machine. Even the MacBook that I have is, is a pretty old MacBook Air, and it will keep on that same criteria. The moment that it cannot upgrade to the latest OS, I will make the upgrade of the machine. For most people, that is not even a, a criteria. For most people, it still is the moment the machine die because there is most of the platforms they use now will continue running even if they don't make the upgrade. And I think that's an interesting change that has happened in the last five to 10 years. It used to be, if we go 10 years back, you upgrade the machine or you were dead basically because the machine stopped working really well. Software were not, easily backward compatible and, and all those things. So I think that has come a natural evolution on the upgrade process and also on the sustainability of the hardware as well as the software part. As a Windows 7 user, you can imagine I agree with that. 
Um, I, I, in the past, I've upgraded when either something broke or it became patently obvious that I needed to because things were unavailable to me or software I wanted to use was couldn't be used or I, I, there was a hard stop. There was a, 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 a must upgrade or, or it would render the, the unit useless for my purposes. But this last time, so, you know, I skipped Windows 8. I tried Windows 10 and it, it, it didn't work. In when, as soon as it was released, I tried it. So it, had, it was full of bugs. So I went back to Windows 7. And I'm still using Windows 7. And the only reason I would upgrade at this point, and I plan to do so, but it's only because Microsoft has said that they're not supporting Windows 7. But functionally and on a practical basis, I really have no reason to, other than that they have said I should and that they're not supporting it. However, I did notice last week, last week, yeah, there was an upgrade from Microsoft, an update, an auto update. So they did, they are, although they're not supporting it, they are common S supporting it. And I heard that that they were putting out Windows XP updates up until I think recently. This is, and that's, that's auto updates. So I'm now wondering again, because I, I intended to, 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 install Windows 10 this month. And now that I saw the update, I'm wondering, okay, well, they're kind of supporting it. And I imagine that those are the most critical updates. My computer is plenty fast for my needs. It has all the memory, it has a brand new hard drive I put in, not brand new, but maybe a couple of years ago. And once again, I'm, I'm thrown back into the, I'm not sure mode, whereas I thought I was sure, but no, I'm not sure anymore. And, and and I'm also in, in in line with what Augusto is thinking, which is or saying, which is if I do buy a new computer, for example, the old one becomes what? Do I stop using it? Do I put it on the shelf to gather dust? It's entirely functional. So, and I'm not I'm 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 at heart a cheap minimalist. So you put the two together and. I'm sort of back. I'm back into quandary mode. So, so a, a couple things there, Francis. I, I just wanted to, um, you know, point out the fact that if you are if you are considering a uh, keeping Windows Seven, the updates that Microsoft are pushing are absolutely critical vulnerability patches. Um, they're they are not feature updates, and they're certainly not general security. Uh, patches, which would, uh, you know, in essence, they don't want you to be a vector for a large scale botnet, uh, which is basically a malware focused uh, system where many computers are infected and used as a, 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 you know, as basically a part of this larger scale malware attack system, if you want to call it that. Um, and so the the that's really all they're trying to patch in, in terms of that, but you're still vulnerable security wise. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you really should upgrade from Windows 7 if you are listening to this. And, um, and, and you are not as comfortable as Francis is with regard to <laughs> the, the, you know, just being on Windows 7. I make good backups. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, that's a that's a good thing. Also, you know, there's 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 the bigger 
I think the bigger concerns for me are really ransomware attacks uh, because Windows 7 does not have that built in, uh, you know, and Microsoft has done a really good job in Windows 10 of, of putting in some ransomware protection technology and both natively on the system, but also some connectivity to OneDrive so that, that you have, in essence, locked files that the ransomware attacker can't then zip up, in essence, and uh, hold you ransom for. Windows 7 just doesn't have that functionality built into it, and neither does Windows 8 or 8.1, so, you know, that I'm aware of. So Windows 10 is really critical for that component by itself. Uh, Plus, I think that Windows 10 has come a long way in being a really efficient operating system. I mean, it runs really it's peppy on most machines. Uh, and, you know, e- even though, you know, you, you do need to have a, a fairly modern uh, chipset and, and, and modern uh, drives to be able to run them, you are, you are getting a better experience. You're just going to be more productive because things are going to move faster. I still think that folks who, who want to stay in older devices, you're probably better doing what Augusto did, which was put a put some type of Linux kernel-based operating system on on your computers, and then you circumvent the security problem because who attacks Linux? Uh, (laughs) um, And, or a Linux distro, because, you know, as, as most people maybe don't know, Linux is a kernel, it's not the operating system itself. So when we say a Linux distro, we really mean an operating system that's using the Linux kernel. And uh, so there's there's actually a, you know, we're giving a lot of credit to Linus Torvalds uh, for just the uh, writing of the kernel and not for all of the other work that is the operating system. So there, there are a lot of operating systems that run on top of the Linux kernel that you can install, and they're really, really easy. I, I'm going to put some links to this in, in the show notes for anybody who's interested. But if you have an older machine and you primarily do your work in the browser, there's really no reason to to have all of this finagling with licensing and Windows and, and arguing over who the big tech giant is. Linux has come to that place where deciding to upgrade may mean staying lateral in terms of your hardware and updating the software that is the operating system to a system that will be not problematic for you for you know many many years to come so that's my soapbox and you made an interesting point that as an ipad user that's not an option because everything is so tied up by apple you need to add the software you need the hardware and they really control it but if you don't want or you are not interested on that, it, it allows you to really now explore awesome software or awesome hardware, I mean, uh, that is available that may or may not have been your first option. You know, I, I the, the Microsoft Surf, Surface hardware, I believe is that they did a re- Microsoft did a really good job on that. And being able to use their good hardware with something different than Microsoft, something that probably will not work really well on current, you know, if you put a microphone, a Microsoft operating system there, Windows, it is really, really cool. And open the possibilities to, as the moment to upgrade the machine, upgrade for something a lot more cheap, but also a lot more cool than what you will find for that. You know, if I go right now and look, you can buy Surface Pro for around 200 bucks. The cheaper 
than most of the Chromebooks that are on the market. And it will give you hardware that looks a lot more cool than the plastic things that you will be able to find for the 200 bucks. I don't want to be the the naysayer here, but it's not quite as easy as it would sound. Uh, not all devices support all Linux distros. Uh, not all devices actually will even boot up. In many cases, you have to go through and change your firmware, or not your firmware settings, your BIOS settings to recognize a boot off of a USB drive. So don't don't underestimate the amount of work that's necessary to do this. It can sometimes it can go really smoothly. It sounds like Augusto, you had a really easy implementation, and I think that's great. I've tried this multiple times on multiple different machines with varying results depending on the machine and the setups. So this is not for the faint of heart, but it it is very doable. I put in a difference between you know depending the I have done some. Linux, and I agree with you. What surprised me with Neverware and Cloud Ready was how easy it was. Um, and you're right, it may be dumb luck with the hardware, but it was technically not even on their list of supported hardware. And it was really, really a piece of cake to, to do it. Um, that is the reason I wanted to make this episode and talk about them, because they really did a good job into making easy for anybody to be able to do this. Yeah. The other thing I would say is don't use your primary machine as a test machine. If you do have an old one that you're, that you want to try, uh, do it there, do all the research. Um, I've run into people who said, Oh yeah, you know, I've got a desktop computer and I want to be able to dual boot with Chrome OS and uh, okay. I hope you're patient because <laughs> it's going to take a little work and configuration. Uh, but yeah, I, like I said, I've I've got all kinds of crazy old laptops sitting around and I'm definitely going to give Cloud Ready a second look to see what I can do with it. I want to back up half a second though and ask a, a more direct technical question. When you're running that, are you running uh, Chrome OS off of the micro SD card or is it actually getting installed to the internal storage of the device? It's I, this machine. That's exactly what made it interesting with this machine. The hard drive is dead. There is nothing, so everything is running out of the micro SD machine. Yeah, see that's the micro something, SD card. Sorry. Yeah, that's something to take into consideration too, because the speed of the micro SD card or the speed of the USB drive is going to be significantly slower than the internal storage. So if you if you have an option on a device like that, where you can configure it to run off of internal storage, depending on the device, you may get better performance. Now, I say that, but on some devices, you may not. If you have an older laptop that you're trying to install this to, and it's got an old spindle drive in it, you know, 5,400 RPM drive, you're not going to see the storage performance you would see off of an SSD drive that's in something like a Surface. So it's going to be a catch, not really a catch-22, but you have to say, okay, this thing is better than dead. How much better is it? The the risk associated with putting your, you know, messing with a production machine is is certainly to be considered. And I'm only concerned with people's data privacy and data security when it comes to keeping old machines in use, which is why I think the risk of installing Linux is far lower 
the the risk and the headache of installing any Linux Linux distro is uh, is a far uh, lower headache than your entire system being compromised and uh, your your data being uh, breached by malware. So that's my kind of standard. Is yes, it may be. There may be a little bit of work involved in installing any new operating system. I mean, you know, I've I've installed a lot of Windows computers over my days, and <laughs> it's supposed to be easy, uh, but you know, it's not quite so when when you get into the uh, particulars of it. So, um, you know, we just all have to be mindful of the fact that you should have backups, have backups of your data, and um, keep those in cold storage, meaning they should not be connected to your computer for some period of time when, once you've made those backups, because, you know, automated backups are great, but the moment your computer is taken over by somebody, that also means that they have access to your backups, which is not great. Yeah, we can go back to some of these productivity cast episodes where I did the upgrade to macOS Catalina. And that will also. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones we were concerned were going to get tagged with an explicit rating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so when should you replace your technology? And this is not just computers. I mean, this comes down to your phones and your tablets and, and your you know, other devices that might be hanging around your, uh, your toolkit. When do you decide to replace your technology? All right. This this is a sore point for me because it depends on the equipment. I mean, for, for laptops and desktops and things like that, uh, you can be in the Francis camp of replace it when it's not doing your job that you need anymore. Uh, you could be in my camp where replace it as soon as you can afford to do it. But you also have things like phones. Uh, this is a This is a big issue. For example, you know, you think Android devices. Android devices basically stop getting updated after three years. Well, there's nothing wrong with the hardware at that point, but it's an operating system obsolescence. You look at things like going from Windows 7 to Windows 10. In many cases, you can't upgrade the device or you can't upgrade the operating system because the device won't support the requirements of the operating system. So you have to replace completely functional hardware just to support some operating system requirement. So it's really hard to say, you know, you should replace it every so I'll go to Chromebooks. Here's here's the example I have sitting next to me right now. I have one Chromebook that has now been updated to be supported by Chrome for the next eight years to receive updates. I have another Chromebook fully functioning, works great. They're not going to do updates for it anymore. It has reached its end of life. There is nothing wrong with that Chromebook, but yet it will not receive any updates past Chrome 76. Should I have to replace that piece of hardware just because it's outside that window? Now, Google's a good example of recognizing that, wait, these devices are hanging around longer. Therefore, we're going to give them eight years of updates. But look at software like Windows 7 and Windows XP. I mean, there's systems that have been running out there for 10, 15 years. So I don't think hardware obsolescence is really as much of a problem as people think it is. It's the software that's running on it and the requirements thereof that force us to, I want to say, artificially 
upgrade our systems. And with so much stuff being moved to the cloud now, I think that's going to become even more prevalent where you can run a system for five, seven, eight years without any issues. As long as you had valid security updates and browser updates, you're fine. Yeah, I'm in the same camp. I think that you should keep your your machines, you know, for a little bit longer than uh, than we currently do. I mean, the, the replacement cycle right now is between 18, uh, 18 and 24 months is, is pretty much the replacement cycle on average. And, uh, you know, it's just that's just too short of a period of time for, you know, these devices. I mean, you know, just from the electronics pollution uh, that that is produced. And that's mostly the discarding of electronics into landfills and other places. And the problem with that is that, you know, those have harmful elements in them, you know, cadmium, beryllium, uh, and other kinds of, of flame retardants that are being, in essence, leached into the environment um, and can be very toxic to to people uh, and, of course, animals and, you know, the, the local ecosystem. So it's really imperative on all of us to be able to be mindful of the fact that when we have these electronics, not just our phones, but any electronics, you know, I have lots of Google Homes and Nest Hubs and, you know, monitors and, dis- and, and keyboards and so on and so forth, and they all contain these things. And we have to be mindful of what we're doing with regard to the plastic as well as the the metals that are being discarded on on a consistent basis so it's just a matter of of, i think being mindful as it relates to what you have and why you have it and whether or not the hardware is still good and the it's just you know one of the big tech giants telling you that you need to replace it because they're going to stop security updates stop feature updates and those kinds of things and whether or not there's a way to get off that that hamster wheel. And uh, it's probably why I'm such a big proponent of Linux, not to keep beating that drum. Uh, <laughs> but it is one of the reasons because, you know, it gets you off the the hamster wheel. It gets you off that that cycle of um, rinse and repeat of, of replacing technology when you really don't need to. You know, a lot of these boxes will not require you to uh, make that jump all the time. I think in the mobile phone space, I think that's more prevalent as Art was talking about. I think absolutely we're kind of stuck in that space because we do need the security updates. And so every new piece of hardware that you put on, at least any modern phone that you have, is is kind of forced into that replacement model because of where we are. Uh, there are some folks out there who have who have, you know, figured out how to get off that you know, rat race or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I, I don't think for the for the average you know, smartphone user, you can do that. It's just going to be the case. Isn't there a case in in Europe, or wasn't there a case in which Apple was sued by the EU, wasn't it? That because they were, they effectively were slowing down the device to encourage the individual to buy a new phone. Yeah, that was that was broader than than. I mean, I don't know about the the specific case in the EU, but I know that was a broader issue across you know, Apple's ecosystem generally that there was a, there was a, I'm going to still call it a rumor. I'm not sure if it, if it was ever uh, confirmed. And, and so systems were slowing down, you know, because it said, oh, you know, in order to be able to save battery, we're slowing your systems down. And, um, and so, you know, ultimately they were, they were, you know, called out for it. Um, I don't put it past Apple. I don't put it past any of the major providers of 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 these you know hardware software um, you know combinations uh you know they're they're out there to make money and 
you know, when when they can increase profit by doing something like that, you know, there's a un- unfortunately an incentive um, that's that that is created. Right, and people people like people like me who hold on to things, and the the opposite side of it is that I've learned not to become the first person after that Windows Ten episode. I've learned not to be the first person to go rush to download and install anything because the the unintended mistakes that they've put in there. Um, I don't want to be the one to face them the first. So there's there's upgrading too quickly and there's upgrade uh, upgrading too slowly. And right now we're in this. I, I find myself in this weird spot around a few pieces of my technology where I don't really have rules. It's more a case of let me go find out what everybody else is experiencing and see what they say. And when they start to, when the noise starts to get loud enough, then I'll do something. But until then, until if I don't have the experience myself, I'm really just crowdsourcing. You know, if I hear tomorrow that there's ransomware going across the world and it's tearing up Windows 7 machines, I bet you I'll get an upgrade right away. But <laughs> <laughs> then that happens, I'm crowdsourcing. I'm just listening to what people are saying and, what people are saying is no problem, and I, I wish I had a better method than that. I'm, I'm also on the other side. If I think about upgrading something right away, I go crowdsource again and I say, "What are people saying about the immediate upgrade?" And this all came from that Windows 10 debacle. Uh, ransomware is probably the number one challenge for people. You know security wise today and it's one of those silent problems because people are are ashamed of letting others know that they've been attacked in that regard uh, mostly because you know most of the ransomware attacks are uh, are faux they're not actual ransomware attacks so there's like the ones that are legitimate where they actually do uh, encrypt your data and then hold it ransom for you to pay uh, usually in some kind of cryptocurrency for it uh, and then the other side is the one that that pops up a notice or they send you an email uh, you so so you see this notice that pops up on your machine and it says hey we've we've been recording you over the last uh, 24 hours and if you've been watching uh, pornography or pictures of your family or things of that nature we we have it recorded and so if you don't pay us, then we're going to we're going to make that public. We're going to put that out there on, you know, some Internet site of some of some kind. And that gets a lot of people who, you know, are just unawares of the fact that it's a, it's it's a scam. Uh, they start paying these uh, these ransoms and that has proliferated, uh, you know, it, it basically it's a job, you know, someone's out there. And now their job is to go ahead and find people whose systems are vulnerable, infect them, and make money. And that's just the nature of of, of it. Um, so I think that it's a it's a much more prevalent problem than is being reported. And so I just um, I encourage you, Francis, to give it more consideration, <laughs> only because it's it's going to be underreported by the by the very you know um, nature of uh, of the way in which ransomware propagates. So. And I agree with what Art was saying. I think it depends the kind of devices. And I agree with the criteria for me has turned from speed and performance to security. Because even when the speed on the new devices is obviously is going to be significantly better than their old hardware, if you can still get the software update for the security, there is no real reason 
to upgrade. The upgrade need comes as soon as you are now required to, to make sure you have the securities. That applies, in my opinion, to hardware in general. That, that's that's the, first, the first rule. The second rule to that now is if you use a specific piece of software that require you know, a faster machine, then that will be your second criteria. But for most people, really their hardware now that used to last two or three years now will last five or seven. And it is a new reality that hardware companies had been trying to adapt now for a while and at the same time has been trying not to let users know that their hardware now lasts a lot longer than what it used to. So for me, the criteria to upgrade is when the current machine cannot be upgraded anymore. And not for a reason of new features, but for a reason that we were discussing about security that I think is really, really important. If operating system companies would go through and just say, look, we're going to split apart feature updates and security updates and just keep doing the security updates. And at some point say, look, you know what? You got an old operating system. We're not going to give you any new features, but we're not going to keep we are going to keep people from crawling in the back doors of your system. I think that's reasonable. I think that's completely realistic. And I think that's something that any rational computer user could probably live with. Are we going to see that, though? I'm not holding my breath. And there's an, there's an argument on the other side of that, though, which is that, you know, Google, Apple, Microsoft, the rest of the major manufacturers that includes Samsung and Huawei and others like them, you know, the, the, the real problem with that is that if you have to support legacy technology for potentially a decade or more, uh, as as Microsoft has done with many of these windows, you know, some, some of these are multiple decades old now, uh, you know, that is a huge amount of resources having to be uh, dedicated to keeping those machines in current practical use. I mean, there's a, there's a, a larger cost associated with it. So I, I recognize the argument on the other side. I think that, I think that there's a reasonable standard, which is, you know, say we we set a standard legislatively that they have to support for five years, eight years, whatever it is, right? Ten years on the on the on the on the longer side of it. Um, but we should not have this like varying number where this device manufacturer says they're going to support it for X amount of time, and then this one says they're going to you know for Y amount of time. It's the lack of a fixed time that really is bothersome to me because no one knows, right? When you buy a device, you just really don't know how long it's going to be supported. Or in the case of of Google, you know, which, you know, everybody listening knows I love Google, but they they go ahead and say, okay, well, we're going to support this for 72 months, uh, you know, or or whatever they, they say the time frame is going to be. And then they're like, oh, surprise, we're going to extend it for another 24 months. And it's like, no, just why don't you tell us that out the gate? And then we know how to plan out our replacement strategies and our upgrade technology strategies ongoing. And that's the part that really, you know, irritates me is that you, certainly from a business perspective, which is typically my, 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 you know, audience, um, I'm thinking about how do I, how do I plan out cash flow? How do I plan out technology upgrades from, from a profitability perspective? And you can't do that 
if they're constantly moving uh, the chronology of that. Not only that, that, that is a strategy that hardware companies can use to define what you are going to buy or not buy. Make the support of certain devices, but make it as you said up front. You know, we will upgrade this device for longer than what we will upgrade our entry level. That will be completely fair. You know, for example, when you look on the iPad, an iPad Pro, okay, because of the way Apple has built them, okay, they can support it for much longer than what they can support a regular iPad. Why? Components are faster out of the gate. So they will last for much longer. So they have more memory RAM. There is a couple of things like that that can be used. So they can come and say, this device will be supported for seven years, while the regular iPad will be only be supported for three or five or whatever it is that they decide strategically. But I agree with you. That will then will allow people to sit and decide, okay, well, do I want this a machine that it was going to be supported for five years or do I don't understand or I don't care about it and I will get the cheapest one because it's what cash flow can afford me right now. All right. Well, I'm going to climb back up on my old man soapbox then and say that the downfall of all of this was when we stopped building our own machines because then we could actually upgrade devices and we could take out old hard drives and put in new ones. We could take out old RAM cards and video cards and upgrade them to new systems. So once we've got, once we decided that as a consumptive society, we wanted little black slabs of glass and big black slabs of glass and, and high design instead of high functionability, uh, that's when we started to go down this slippery slope. So Johnny Ive, I blame you. And we can, we can blame Johnny all that you want, but for I, I mean, a laptop was my main machine from what, two, I like to say 2000, 1999 or 2000. I live on a laptop and then I live on an iPad. I So on the laptops, yes, you could do RAM and hard drive updates, but you were really limited anyway. So I don't know if I want to, do I have the technical knowledge to build a desktop? Yes. Do I want to carry a desktop with me? No. Those pictures of people, you know, sitting with desktops on a Starbucks, I still think is ridiculous. Even what I understand, they can fix their machine and upgrade it more easier than what I can with my tablet and my slabs. As we're closing out this episode, what can listeners do right now, today, to to do good for the planet? Because why the heck not? And um, and so I'll start. Um, I've got two suggestions for folks. Um, one is you can take those cell phones or smartphones that are sitting in your drawers somewhere, uh, closets and otherwise, that you're no longer using, and you can actually donate those to local charities that give them to uh, victims of domestic violence. And so there are a lot of organizations that are just Google, you know, cell phones, donation, domestic violence, and you should be able to find uh, local organizations that take those phones and they'll do a couple of things. One, they'll obviously put a SIM in them and uh, and then provide them to uh, victims uh, who need them. So that's number one. Number two is that they can also then uh, resell those items onto, the, onto markets and they use that money to be able to uh, raise funds and be able to help folks. So you're not only helping the planet by that 
second R in reduce, reuse, recycle, the three R's of, of, uh, of that. But you're, you're reusing the, the device by giving it to someone who can then reuse it. Uh, but you're also helping, uh, you know, a great uh, cause. Uh, two is uh, I believe that every business owner, if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner, you should be developing a, a, an environmental sustainability program at your company. That could be as simple as a recycling program it could be a an environmental sustainability initiative within the company choosing to invest in environmentally conscious mutual funds. Uh, you, it could be a very broad sweeping way in which you educate your clients and customers. That can be really great marketing uh, for you in terms of showing your environmental sustainability and uh, practices to your customers and building goodwill and uh, in all kinds of other ways in which you can work with vendors to be able to reduce carbon footprint, uh, you know, so that you're able to get products to you or services to you for a lower uh, cost to the planet. So one, uh, donate your, your cell phones to uh, victims of domestic violence, charities, and the other is to develop an environmental sustainability or some kind of company initiative dedicated to the environment. One about the cell phone donations. Any cell phone, I know this is true in the U.S., uh, does not require a SIM to actually be in it to be able to dial 911. So as long as it has a, a charge, you can use it to dial an emergency number to get help. That's something that I don't think a lot of people realize. If you charge up that phone, then turn it off and put it in a drawer. Should something happen, you still have a phone that you can at least dial 911 with. And that applies to all of them. I'm almost positive that's the case. Uh, second, there's an app out on Android. I don't think it's available on iOS, but it is on Android. There's an app called Alfred. And Alfred allows you to take any cell phone and turn it into a Wi-Fi enabled webcam. So if you take an old cell phone that you don't want to use anymore, don't bother putting a SIM in it, just use enable the Wi-Fi on it. You can turn it into a webcam or a smart cam that you put somewhere on, you know, like a security cam. And it will do things like notify you of sound and, and motion and things like that. So you can reuse those devices in that way. I think I'm a bit behind the curve on this, to be honest. <laughs> so I've been... I've been <laughs> So I've been thinking maybe this is the week to upgrade to Windows 10 after the advice that you gave me. Uh, so I, I, I guess I would advise anybody else who's in a similar position to follow through on your advice. Yeah, and depending upon your system configuration, you know, the hardware that you're using and so on and so forth, it can actually impact the amount of electricity that's being used, which is a positive impact on the environment. So good on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that bitten once bitten twice shy you know i totally understand i totally understand but i i think that you know it's one of those cases make a backup and uh and then go through the process of of upgrading and I, i've done a windows 10 upgrade for a client uh just in the past week or so so and uh clean clean bill of health from a fairly old machine i have to admit it was uh older than i i thought it should have been for the upgrade, but it was better to do that than uh, replace the system uh, because of the the age of the user. Uh, you know, it was just one of those cases where the user didn't want uh, to change the hardware, and so I said, "Okay, well, let's just get it. Let's get it updated." And we did, and it was it's running 
very cleanly. It's a, it's, it's doing really well. So everything, everything worked the way it did. And so, yeah, but back up your machine. Yeah. I think I'm going to be calling you <laughs> once again. <laughs> hey. You know, think twice before the why you are, you know, upgrading. I understand not everybody had the technical knowledge to do these upgrades or to spend the time, you know, playing with the technology and testing the technology. But in many cases, you don't need um, an upgrade, not on yours, Francis, uh, but on other good. But what you need is really to clean up, you know, the machine. And, and that is getting easier and easier uh, to find on the web. Uh, it is a matter of many people being afraid, not necessarily how difficult it is on 2020. So think twice before, you know, and using, keeping reusing those, some of those devices until it's really, yeah, I, I understand you get a time where it is now time to replace the hardware, but that time has changed significantly as we discussed in this episode. And in case of doubt, ask, because there is more than enough people, more than willing to help and answer on those questions if you ask. So I hope everybody has gotten a little bit of next steps in terms of what they can do. And if you really want to go beyond that, you can go to either Carbon Fund or TerraPass and buy carbon offset credits, which put uh, certified funds into environmentally sustainable uh, initiatives. Uh, so that could include, you know, planting trees to uh, programs that are trying to take carbon out of the air, that kind of thing. And so uh, good stuff going on around the world. And so you can actually buy these carbon credits that are really affordable. All you have to do is lift your credit card out of your pocket <laughs> um, to do good in that regard. So thank you everybody for uh, this episode. Uh, thank you for uh, the contributions. And uh, that includes you, our listeners. Uh, if you have a question or comment about this episode, you have a suggestion for folks about what they can do uh, to be more environmentally sustainable with their electronics and technology and upgrading and replacing their technology. They're on the podcast episode site. Uh, you get there by going to productivitycast.net forward slash the episode number. So 001002. That three digit number is our episode number. Feel free to plug that in after productivitycast.net forward slash, and you'll be right there on the page. Uh, there at the bottom of the page, you can leave a comment or a question, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, see it and respond and engage and be happy to do so. Uh, also there on productivitycast.net, you'll find the show notes for the episode that you're on, as well as links to anything that we discussed so you can jump to it from there. On productivitycast.net as a whole, you should see a subscribe button, and that allows us allows you to be able to subscribe to the podcast, meaning follow the podcast in whatever app you'd like. Uh, it's free, uh, and you can, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, if you have another question about personal productivity, click on the contact button on productivitycast.net and you can leave a voice recorded message for us or you can type a message to us and we'll get that and maybe we'll make that a part of a future episode where we'll answer questions. Thank you to Augusta Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwicks for joining me here on this and uh, every Productivity Cast. Uh, if you could, please add a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. We just enjoy hearing the feedback. It's really great for us to be able to know you're all out there and listening, uh, but it also helps us gr to grow the personal productivity 
uh, listening community because the algorithms uh, help to expose us to more folks. So thank you for doing that. That brings us to the close of this episode of Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith with everybody else here, Gusto Pinaud, Francis Wade, Art Gelwix. Thank you all for listening. Here's to your productive life. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.